Now the battery, there it is. All right. It's alive. <laughs> well, when I came in this morning, I, it, was, it was so nice to see everyone here. And Larry, Larry saw me and he goes, I bought a fire and brimstone message this morning. Get me all fired up. And I'm like, ugh, I wish somebody needs to give me a fire and brimstone message to get me going. This is kind of interesting here. The Last week it was toilet paper. This week it's the gifts. These things are really cool. Um, you know, the different things inside. I mean, I can imagine, you know, a kid getting a hold of something like this and just it really being a blessing. So thank you to all of you who took time to to put those together and, uh, to, you know, to bless somebody for Christmas. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing. And, and uh, that's, just, that's just amazing. It reminds me of this uh, concert I went to in high school. It was called about Pink Floyd, The Wall. They just kept building these blocks, you know, as the thing went. So, anyways, well, if you, I don't expect too many of you to pay any attention to what goes on in, up in my neck of the woods. But sure enough, our... Our big levy that we'd been fighting for, and it failed again. And it, it came crashing down in a, you know, a ball of fire this time. It wasn't even close. And uh, so, you know, we thought we were getting there, and, uh, man, they wanted to get more people out to vote. Well, they got a lot more people out, just people that voted on the other side. So, but, you know... We'll, we'll be all right. We'll do our thing. But man, let me tell you, the waiting on that was the, it was hard waiting. The, you know, what are the results going to be? What are the returns going to show? And then the lead up to it. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there at, at, you know, at my desk and I kept hitting the refresh thing on the, the, the county board of elections to see how it, it all shook out. And you're just sitting there waiting and anticipating. And then the numbers flip and you're like, oh, no. And it just it drives you crazy. But, you know, I've lived long enough to realize that you can work really hard for something and do everything right, play by the rules, and get absolutely nothing for it. That's, that's called life. And it took me a while to, to learn that. Growing up, I was very lucky. My family was... I love my family. Um, but I just sort of had things you know, that were provided for me, and everything just seemed to work out good for me, and never had any real troubles, and, you know, and then later on in life, I started to hit some bumps, and it was like, man, what, this, is, this isn't fair. I mean, I'm a, I'm a good person. This doesn't happen to good people. Well, guess what? Yes, it does. It happens to, to all of us sooner or later. You're going to run into something that you're going to feel cheated, you're going to feel ripped off, you're going to feel this is unfair, this should not happen to me. Today, with all of the, uh, during the, uh, the prayer time, a lot of the different needs. I mean, so unfair. I mean, we got a high school uh, kid with a heart thing. Somebody else, uh, poor Rachel and her health things. And on and on it goes. And we can, you know, rip our hair out wondering why. Why is this going on? How long are we going to have to wait? Before God does something about this? Or how long are we going to have to wait before things turn out right? How long are we going to have to wait to see God move? To see what's, what the result's going to be? 
Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua. I like preaching out of the Old Testament a lot sometimes. A lot of people don't like preaching out of it. I just like the stories. Joshua chapter 6 is where we're at. And, uh, you know, if, if you're new to the church or you haven't been to Sunday school in a while, uh, you know, Moses has, has come along, he, you know, he let them out of Egypt and they wandered around because they were disobedient. Well, and Moses, he can't go into the promised land because he screwed up and eventually Joshua takes over and it's up to him to go in and start defeating all of these different nations. Okay, now we can, I've had uh, opponents of, of the Bible you know, people who don't believe in an all-powerful, loving God. You know, here's this God of yours sending in these people committing genocide. They're going in and they're wiping out all these people in the promised land. They didn't do anything. Well, I don't know whether they did anything or not. I'm not that much of a Bible scholar. But I've read they were pretty crubby people. And frankly, a lot of them got what they had coming to them. Now, I know that's not very Christian, but... I know that uh, for whatever reason, God said, that's the, the land that my people are going to get. you got to go in there and take care of business. Sure, I could have smited them all. Oof. Wave of my hand. Everybody, boom, they're all gone. You just walk right in there. That's not what God chose to do. He chose, Joshua, you're going to take them and you're going in. And it's everybody. It's not just you know a few soldiers here and there. This is full-scale Total war. Well, they're going around and they're doing some different things and they get to the, uh, the River Jordan. And they got to pass through it. And uh, I've never seen, of course, I've never been out of the United States except to Canada a few times. I don't know what the River Jordan looks like in, in real life. I don't know if it's big or small or whatever, but it was going to be a hassle to get this these people across the River Jordan. Does anybody know? Somebody fill in what happens here. What did God do to help them out? How'd they get across the Jordan? They went across on dry land. God stopped up the river. They walked right through. Sylvia went to Sunday school. She, I need to start going to Sunday school, as a matter of fact. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, uh, God stopped it, and they walked right through. And all the people were like, yay. And they have a big celebration, and then they come to a place called Jericho. Jericho was a city that was impenetrable. It was an ancient city, uh, one of the, if not the first, really significant, what you would call a city. And it was surrounded by not, not just one, but two walls to keep people out, to protect the, the people of Jericho. They had a, a, an outer wall, which was like six or seven feet thick, and then they had a little space. I think they had wooden structures in there, and people like lived in the wall or along the wall. Then they had this massive inner wall. The point was, nobody was going to break through. Nobody could get through there. So, of course, God says, guess what, Joshua? We're going to Jericho. Joshua's probably thinking, Jericho? Okay, you're God, and I'm not, and I'm smart enough now to know I'll do what you're asking me to do. 
But on the way there, of course, there's belly aching and crying, and oh, what are we doing? Why are we going to Jericho? We'll never get in there. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. They, they slammed the doors. Word had probably gotten to Jericho, the Israelites are coming. And they're, they're on the move. And there are rumors that their, their God is with them. So, the, so Jericho does what it always did in times of trouble. Slam the doors. Post people on the walls and no, nobody coming in. Now the normal course of warfare in that time would have been uh, for, for Joshua and the Israelites to have um, laid a siege onto the, the city. Starve them out. Surround it. Nobody in or out. Eventually they'll run out of resources. We'll wear them down and we can just get in there. God had other plans. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go up, Every man straight ahead. So here God has appeared to Joshua. He's given him specific plans of how to defeat Jericho. You know, and God not only told him how to do this, but assured him what would happen. Jericho will be defeated. And I'm giving you the strategy that will deliver that city into your hands. This is a strategy that would take Joshua and the people of Israel on to their victory. Now, Joshua probably needed this kind of encouragement. There are many times in, in my life, and I'm sure in yours, where you, you come up against things and you know God is with you, but, oh my, I don't know. How, how am I going to deal with this? Uh, this one really got me off guard here. Here's Joshua. You're going, well, by the way, you're going into the strongest city probably in the world, the best defenses. You're going to take this grumbling, angry crowd and you're going to turn them into an army and you're going to bring down the walls. Joshua needed to be encouraged because this great challenge lay you know, right ahead of him. And without God's plan, defeat would be assured. So here's Joshua in a, in a tight spot. He's looking at Jericho. This is a difficult task. One of the oldest cities in the world. Two massive walls made out of stone and brick. How are we going to get in there? And this city was well known. It had a reputation. It's impenetrable. Joshua knew that. You know, a lot of us are constantly looking ahead to challenges that face up face us. 
You may even guess ahead to what I'm getting at. What are the walls in your life? What's the Jericho God's asking you to march around and around and around and around and deal with? We all have needs. We all have things that happen. We all have challenges that we have to overcome. It might be your health. It might be your faith. It might be your job. It might be anything. Your relationships. And you're thinking that... Yeah, we went through some stuff, but now we're at Jericho. That, that's a wall. I'm not getting through this one. And God's like, oh, yes, you are. I, I got the way. I got the plan. I'm even telling you in advance, you're going to make it. You know, we look at that wall ahead of us, and we wonder, how in the world are we going to break through? How are we going to conquer this? How am I going to get my job back? How am I going to get employed? How am I going to save my marriage? How am I going to do whatever? There's got to be a way. But I don't know. It's so difficult. You know, Joshua was probably thinking the same thing. And uh, that's when God shows up and tells him, we're going to break through this wall. This is what we're going to do. Now notice God's plan. It wasn't a plan that rushed right up to the walls of Jericho and started the battle. God didn't say, now I know how bad you want to get in there, and I know how bad you want this wall to come down, but we're not going to run right in there and and yank the thing down. There's some things you need to do first. If you want to be successful. This was a plan that that God had laid out before Joshua. It had a waiting game to it. You're going to have to trust me now. You're going to have to wait a little bit. Why do you think God told Joshua to march around the city once a day for six days? Then on the seventh day, march around it seven times and then blow the horns. There have been many times in my life where I'm like, God, why didn't you just do something now? I want it done right now. I've got this problem. I want it fixed now. I know you can help me, Lord. You said you'd never leave me, never forsake me. Uh, I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God, and yet I can't get over the wall. Well, The fact is, sometimes God does tell us to wait. You got a wall in your life? God may not want you to run right up to the wall and expect to be able to just tear that thing down. There's a waiting involved. And I think the answer, at least in this case, with Joshua, is uh, you know, God's plan for when things happen always involves a time of preparation, a time of sanctification. Do you have something in your life that you're really dealing with, you're really struggling with, take some time, reflect on it, and give it to God. That's what Joshua did. Prepare yourself for what you've got to face. And then sanctify it. Say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to deal with this. I'm not doing this alone. Here, God told Joshua, you know, have the priests carry the ark around. 
You know, the Ark of the Covenant was really the, a symbol of God's presence. So when they brought the Ark out and they're carrying around Indiana Jones and all that, you know, well, they've got the Ark. That signified that's God with the people. And a lot of times the Ark would go out front to signify what? God is before us. Let Him lead the way. How many times do we run out ahead and, come on, God, hurry up! God's like, get back here. You know, he wanted, God wanted the, the people of Israel, he wanted Joshua to showcase that ark to the people of Jericho. He wanted the people of Jericho to look out over those walls, see him marching around. Well, look at there. That's the ark. We've heard stories about that thing. The ark of the covenant. That's God saying, people of Jericho, something's about to happen here, and I want you to know who's, who's responsible for this. It's me, Jehovah, God. Everybody would see that this was not just an army. This was the Lord's army. And we talk about the wall Joshua faced, now think about the way that God would bring them through it. You know, we read about how God wants to bring them the victory. But was it rushed? No. We didn't run right in. This was not a blitzkrieg. You students of military history, I've, I've taught that class. Uh, the blitzkrieg uh, in modern times, uh, uh, fire and fury. I forget what George Bush called it. Uh, shock and awe. Okay, you want to see shock and awe, go back to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, but that, this is a different story. I mean, we, no shock and awe here. This is a protracted kind of victory. This was not a rush thing. It was not fast. But you know what it did take? It took a lot of hard work and a lot of commitment on the people of Israel to get the job done. They had to carefully do what God had asked them to do. Go around the city. Don't just keep doing it. And I'm sure the whole time that, that they're going around, people are laughing at them. They're throwing stuff at them, taking shots at them. And the whole time they're probably thinking, why are we walking around the walls? Why are we... What's, when's something going to happen? We're just walking around the city. Why all this tedious labor of walking around the walls? Well, I think God wanted the Israelites to see that God's victories come from continually doing God's will on a daily basis. God wants to work in our lives in the long term, for the long haul. Not the sudden, you know, where God shows up like Superman, saves the day, and pff, gone again. God wants to walk daily with us. You see, it would have been easy for God to tell Joshua, look, walk right up to the wall, shout at the wall, and they'll all fall down. But God wanted the Israelites to see that faithfulness to God's plan, while it was not in their timing, always delivers God's results. Furthermore, I think God wanted to give the Israelites a lesson on, on waiting. 
I'm sure the first day they marched up to Jericho and began walking around the city, the people of Jericho were probably frightened. What are they doing? What are they doing? Look at all of them. Oh, man, we're locked in here. How are we going to get out of this? Are we going to wait them out? Uh, Are our soldiers strong enough? Are our walls thick enough? We already know from verse 1 that Jericho was shut down, was boarded up, People weren't coming in and out. So I'm sure the people of Jericho were concerned when they saw the people of Israel approaching. And they're getting ready. Here they come. What, what are they? Wait a minute. They're just walking around the city. Did, did anybody leave the back door open? You know, I, I, you know what's going on? They go around the, the city and, and they, that's it for the day. They all go make camp. They're probably sitting around like, What's going on? Second day came along. Guess what? They did the same thing again. Maybe Jericho was frightened at the beginning, but still no attack. By the third or the fourth day, they're probably like, is this a game? You know, here I think God's wanting to show Israel the importance of waiting on God. Wait for it. Wait for it. We have this game... Uh, we play with our dogs sometimes. I don't know if the dog enjoys it, but I enjoy it. I, we trained him how to wait for food. So he'll sit there and we'll put a, like a hot dog or, or a dog treat on the, on the ground. And he'll be, his nose will be like that far from you. like, wait, wait. And he's like, wait. Okay, get it. And then they get it and they have a big thing. I think a lot of the times God does the same thing to us. I want this to happen. God help me. Wait. (laughs) Wait. And we're like, "Mm." but unlike my dog, a lot of times we go, oh, I'm tired of waiting. Forget it. I'm out of here. God's like, you know, fun. Could have had this treat. Could have had this blessing if you'd have just waited. But you didn't. I think God wants to show them the importance of waiting. You know, by now, Jericho's probably mocking Israel. Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. These guys show up, they're just walking around the city. They haven't done anything, probably because they can't do anything. They're wanting us to think there's something special and just give up. We're not giving up. The walls just seem to get thicker. Now they're laughing at Joshua. They're laughing at the people of Israel. Making fun of them. That happens every day in our world. How many of your friends laugh at you when you're waiting for your wall to come down? Why don't you just give it up? Why don't you just accept the way things are? You and them are never going to work out your relationship. You and them, you're never going to get that place. You're never going to get that job you want. And yet you're waiting patiently. Waiting, waiting for God. Every day the world mocks the church, mocks Christianity. Here we are again, another week. Guess what we had last week? Another mass shooting. One of the victim's parents came right out. I don't want to hear about prayers and concerns. You Christians can just keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. If God really cared, he would, you know, whatever. 
You know, as we continue to march forward in God's plan, the world looks at us and laughs. We're nuts. You're crazy. Church of God in particular here in Springfield, there are some who, who look at our doctrine, they laugh at it. You're getting double whammy. Not only are you a Christian, but you're a weird, wacky church. You don't believe the right way. You guys are really messed up. You know, they think we're intellectually challenged. How could you actually believe any of that stuff? How could you as a Christian believe that this book, I mean, come on, it was written by people. And people have interpretations. And who's to say their interpretation isn't any better than my interpretation? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we get into that debate. How could you believe that there is a God who created this world in six days? How could you believe or be so arrogant to suggest to me that people living in sin will be punished? How can you be so cruel and heartless? How dare you, 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 you point out what the Bible calls sin? And so every day, people get laughed at. And every day, Joshua and his people were probably laughed at. Every day they were mocked. The fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. Let's go back to Joshua, chapter 6, verse 15. Then on the seventh day they rose early in the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And all the people went, Ah! Or yelled, or so I don't know what they said. The city shall be under the ban, and in all that in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all those who are with her shall live. They hid the messengers. That's a different story. But as for you, when you go in there, keep yourselves from the things under the ban, and there's some instructions for what to do. But verse 20, the people shouted, the priests blew the trumpets, and the great, with a great shout, the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. I love that story. The people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and in they go. All that waiting paid off. Doing it God's way, it paid off. They'd have run right in and tried to take down the wall, they probably would have failed. I know they would have failed. But by being faithful and waiting on God, the walls came down. Turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And this is a good one to read if you ever feel like you're being picked on or you know, you're getting tired of people mocking you for your beliefs or you're a little on the fence whether this Christianity stuff's really for me or whatever. But psalm 37, this is a psalm that David wrote, King David. 
And we'll start at verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. He could have been writing a letter to Joshua. Yo, Joshua, rest in the Lord. Be patient. It's not going to make any sense. God says march around the city for six days, and on the seventh day, all this marching and all this waiting. But be patient. Rest in the Lord. Let God do the work. Wait patiently for Him. Don't worry about these other people who seem to just be blessed in life and they get their things. And Don't worry about that. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for, for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. What a great promise. What a great story for all of God's children. Not only those who actually marched around the city, but for those of us today who face the walls in our lives. You know, those walls that keep you from experiencing all that God has in store for us. The walls that frighten us. The walls that stop us from moving forward with God to, to capture the victory. Now, you may be here today facing a challenge that you might say, this is a, I can't, I have a disease. I have a bad heart. Life's been very unfair to me. What are you going to do? You're going to get to the wall and say, yeah. Are you going to march? Keep marching. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep at it. You're going to make it. Don't stop. Keep fighting. You'll be victorious knowing what you have to face. <clears throat> Turn over to the book of Daniel. I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention this little blurb here, this little story, because whenever I would sit in sermons when I was little, I would hear what the preacher said, and I'd go, yeah, that's right, but what about this? Because... You're trying to fool me, preacher, because sometimes God doesn't move the wall. I have cancer, and I'm going to die from it, and I want that wall removed, but it's not going to go away. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, let me give you an example of somebody who faced a situation that involved life or death. And you all know the story. We're Daniel chapter 3. This is a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the people of, of you know, Israel has been chopped up. A lot of them run off to Babylon. And, and it's, it's, they're a lost people right now. And here's Daniel. wants to remain uh, loyal to God. Daniel and his friends. 
And so the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he brings him in and he says, look, all you guys got to do is, is bow down and serve me. So serve this little golden image that I have set up over here. You, you want to live, just, uh, you know, forsake your God and bow down to, the, to my, my God here. That's a wall. That's a wall. Shadrach, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They were going to throw him into the a furnace, burn him up. Verse 18, such a powerful verse to me. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. We're here at the wall. We believe God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not go back on what we know to be true. Back in the misty past, my mother-in-law, Dolores Hart. Some of you remember Dolores. One of the things that sustained her and kind of got me through it, and, and Neola and some of those, well, she would often say, look, this is God's will. She got cancer. She died at 49 from, from uh, colon cancer, liver cancer. And, and her, her whole attitude was, this is, look, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fight, and we're going to fight, and we're working towards this. But if God doesn't heal me, God's will will be done. And she would not lose her faith because of that. You're not going to take that away from me. You could translate verse 17, if, if it be so, our God whom I serve is able to deliver me from cancer and get me out of this, but even if he doesn't, let it be known that I'm not going to serve another God, I'm not going to forsake my God, I'm not going to do it. Because in Daniel's mind and in the mind of his friends, God very well could have them thrown into that fire and they'd be burned up. That was a very real possibility. And they were willing to accept because they knew, they knew that's how life works. Even Christians who are very faithful sometimes hit the wall and they bounce off of it and there's no getting through it. But whether you get over it or not, the question is, are you going to keep marching around the wall? Are you going to keep going at it? Are you going to keep working at it? Keep striving? I think that's what God looks for. And in the process of your obedience, in your, the process of you doing what God has called you to do, which is to have faith and to believe and let him worry about the other stuff, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You know, sometimes I know things don't always work out. But I do know that all of us have a choice to make. We can choose to obey God 
and continue to keep walking around the walls. Some of you have walked around the wall for years and years and years. I wish it could have been solved in a week. Decades have gone by. You're still walking around those walls waiting for them to come down. God's saying, just keep walking. Keep walking. Because you're not walking alone like the war, like with the Israeli army who was out front. God was out front. I know you, some of you are going through a lot of rough stuff. Guess what? God's out in front of you, walking with you around the wall. And he'll be with you. No matter what happens, God is there. And he wants to be there. And he wants you to demonstrate your faith to not only for yourself, but for the world to see. I don't know why God does the things he does. I don't know why we have to have shootings and we have to have horrible things happen to those we love and why can't God just fix things? I don't know why he makes, makes me walk around that wall again and again and again, but he does. But I know he's with me and he's going to be with me and he's going to be with you as you travel and continue to walk around that wall in your life. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, I pray somebody found something useful today. Some days, God, I really I feel blessed that you use me. Other days, I, I'm just rattling around like who knows what. And God, I just pray today that um, you would help us to face the walls in our lives. And, and whether they come down or not, to, to remain faithful. Because we know you're with us. You're out in front of us. And God, help us to follow you wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen.